Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians called A Better Way. We are learning that the letter Paul wrote the church in Corinth shows us a better way to be God's people in this world. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm going to invite you to take your Bible. We are in a series called A Better Way in 1 Corinthians. So if you want to take your Bible and turn it to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be looking starting at verse 12 this morning. And you can find that on page 931 of those black Bibles in the seat underneath you there. Now, we're going to do something a little different. I've asked Anna Broadbooks, who's a senior in our church family, to actually read through the whole scripture for us this morning. So you're welcome to have, the, have it open and follow along with her. Or you're welcome to simply listen to the word of God being spoken. That's probably how the early church would have heard it, by the way. They would have just listened. So if you'd like to do that, you're welcome to do that. So Anna, why don't you read it for us? Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given that one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of sight be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Thanks, Anna. Well, I want to tell you about a place I visited that is just full of tremendous potential to do great things in this world. It's a diverse place. It's a place that's full of men and women. It's full of children and students. It's a place that's actually full of single adults and senior adults. It's a place that has millennials and boomers and everything in between and above. It's a place that has children and it has adults. It's a place that has wealthy and it has poor. It's a place that has black and it has white. And it's a place that, even though they're diverse, have one thing in common. It's a place that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what is this place with this incredible, tremendous potential? It's you. It's us. It's the local church gathering I have had the tremendous privilege of being a part of for the last 16 years called Cherry Hills Church by God's design located here in Springfield, Illinois. As church, we learned last week from Jeff that we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God in order to bear fruit for God and use the gifts that God has given us to spread the gospel of God in a world that God loves so much that he gave his life for it. 
And so this morning, I want to look at it with, for us to unleash the potential that God has given us in this church, according to the passage that Anna just read for us there. And to do that, we have to understand something about ourselves as individuals, as followers of Jesus, and how we're connected to others. And so, really, I'm just going to kind of give away the whole message in the beginning. If you want to check out after I say this, you're more than welcome to. But here's what we have to understand if we're going to unleash the potential God has for us as a church. If you're on your notes, followers of Jesus... Understand they are members of a body working together for a common purpose. If we want to fulfill our potential, the potential that is right here in this room, we have to understand that we are members of a body working together for a common purpose. Now, there's two truth statements within that one statement, and that's really all we're going to do this morning is break that down. First, individual followers of Jesus are members of a body. Second, we are working together for a common purpose. That's what we're looking at together this morning. Before we do, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, what a privilege it is to be a part of this church body for the last 16 years. There's no place I would rather be. And I know you more than anyone else can see the potential in this room. And we want to be a place that unleashes that potential that's on mission with you, that is living out our purpose. And for that to take place, it means every single one of us, every single one of us involved and engaged. So speak to us through your word this morning. Encourage us and equip us. If we have doubts, give us faith we need to step into the purpose you've given each of us. We pray this together in Jesus' name, amen. So truth number one there, right? Followers of Jesus are members of a body. David Platt, who was extremely helpful in researching this message, puts it this way, if you're following on your notes there. Biblically, followers of Christ are not church avoiders, attenders, hoppers, or shoppers. We are church members. Followers of Christ are not church avoiders, attenders, hoppers, or shoppers. Let me just break those four things down in a bit. First, biblically, followers of Jesus are not to be church avoiders. In other words, we don't live the Christian life on our own. We're not to be Lone Ranger Christians. This has been a common like sentiment, I think, in the last 30 years or so, though. I hear things like this all the time. I'm sure you do as well. I love Jesus. I just don't like his church. Or I don't mind being with Jesus, just me and him in nature somewhere, but I'm not so sure about gathering with all those hypocrites. Let me just say something right now. I get it. I get it. I'm drawn to that as well because I understand the church has not always gotten things right. I've not always gotten things right, but I will just lovingly say to you, Lone Ranger Christianity is not biblical. Jesus died for a people, not just for individual persons. Second, followers of Jesus are not merely to be church attenders where we just go, okay, my job is to go to a worship service once a week. No, we're going to see it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Third, followers of Christ are not church hoppers, where we go from one church to the next based on our preference of the week or the month or the year or whatever it may be. And related to that, we're not to be church shoppers, going from one church to the next looking for the best product at the best price, picking and choosing what we like about this church or that church or that church. I'll break it to you all right now. I know this is going to come as a big surprise. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect church that you are going to find there. I hate to ruin it for you. Biblically, though, what are we? 
What are we to be? If you're on your notes, we are to be members of a local church body. That's how we're to understand ourselves as individual followers of Jesus, members of a local church body. Now, I know some of you are thinking here, is church membership really biblical? The Bible doesn't mention membership for Christians in churches, does it? Well, let's think about that based on what we just heard Anna read in 1 Corinthians 12. At least 10 times in that passage, Paul refers to Christians as members of a body. It's why we came up with that word members in English, right? Membership, because better than any other word, It kind of sums up the part that we play in the body of Christ. We are members of it. Some might argue, well, of course, we're members of the body of Christ. The church with a capital C, the global people of God that are going to be gathered together one day in heaven. But is that what scripture is really talking about when it talks about being a member of a church? Honestly, the primary word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia. If you're on your notes, it's ekklesia. You can see how to spell that. That's Greek. It just means gathering, the gathering of God's people. And yes, you're right. There are times when the New Testament uses the word church. It's referring to the global church with a capital C. But can I tell you, more often than not, I'd say 90% of the time in the New Testament, it's actually referring to a local gathering of believers. In fact, if you're following on your notes there, It refers to a specific gathering of Christians in a particular place. A specific gathering of Christians in a particular place. If you need some examples, I'll give you two. Acts 11.12 talks about how a report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Reference to a specific church of a particular gathering of believers in a city called Jerusalem. How about the letter we've been studying almost this entire year as a church, 1 Corinthians? How does Paul start the letter? He starts it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God in Corinth, particular place, specific believers, to to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I could give you so many other examples. But the picture we have over and over in scripture of a church is that it is a local gathering of believers in a particular place, and we call them churches. So when a follower of Christ, and maybe that's you, reads through the New Testament, I wonder, are you led to ask the question, well, what specific local gathering of believers in the particular place God has placed me, am I a part of? Am I a member of? Now, just to be clear, I want to be very clear about what I am and not talking about here. Am I talking about, if you haven't taken the membership class yet on November 4th, that you should do that? I might ask, why haven't you done that yet if you are saying this is the church I'm going to be a member of? Because that's a place where you can learn about our mission and our vision and our history. You can learn how to be the kind of member we're looking to be here together. But that's really not what we're talking about here. We're talking about joining together, answering the question, yes, I've joined myself to be an active participant, member of a local body, and I don't care if it's ours or another, can you say as a follower of Jesus, that's true of me. I have connected, I have joined to a local church that I call my church body. That's why I wanna say here again why Luke prays for another church. We just prayed for Lakeside this morning. That is another local gathering of believers and we're not competing with them. We're all on the same mission, and yet God has 
joined all these different people together in these different churches to fulfill different purposes. We're all on the same team, and yet we're diverse. That leads to the second part of the statement, though, I want to get into this, which is we are members of a body. That's the metaphor Paul chooses to use to describe what we're doing here. We're to be a a body, and I want to talk to you. What should a healthy body look like? I'd argue from this passage, Paul suggests two things make up a healthy body. First, a healthy body is unified but diverse. A healthy body is unified but diverse. This is really what Jeff spoke about last week, so if you missed it, go back and listen. But he reiterates it in verses 12 through 14, if you got your Bible open there. Paul writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now read verse 14 on your notes there with me. It says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. I mean, I'd say this is pretty self-explanatory. For your body to be whole and healthy, it needs every part of your body playing its part, playing its role in the same way. As Jeff said last week, for our church, our local church gathering to be healthy and whole, every member must play his or her part. Consider the way your physical body works. When you stub your toe, can you picture that right now? Your whole body reacts. You reach down with your arms to to the place where you're hurt. You use your eyes to look at where you stubbed your toe. You use your mouth to say hopefully not totally inappropriate things at that moment. (laughs) Notice though, the body is working together seamlessly, organically, There's no individual decisions being made at that point. It reacts as a whole unit. And yet, in the midst of that, don't our bodies exhibit this incredible diversity? This is what Paul is talking about. Toes are not like ears. Ears are not like elbows. Elbows are not like feet. There's so much diversity in the human body and in the body of Christ. And yet, here's the mystery. It's the diversity that makes us one. Diversity is what makes our body unified, in fact. The body could not function as a body if it were made up of a hundred ears or a hundred mouths or a hundred elbows or a hundred feet. Likewise, Paul wants us to see. Though we are different, we are united together as one. As we apply this to the church, we see what unites us, what makes us one. This whole passage has been about this. It's the Holy Spirit of God who has come and now made us his people, his his unified people, and yet, in this unity that we have, there is also tremendous diversity. You see, the same spirit who unified us has given us different gifts and passions and skills and talents. Why? To serve the whole. The church, though one, is made up of many parts, just like your body is. And this leads to the second sign of a healthy body. A healthy body is interdependent, not independent. A healthy body sees themselves as interdependent, not independent. What do you think of the word dependent? As Americans, I think we kind of hate that word. We major on independence, don't we? I don't want to need others. I want to be able to just simply self-exist on my own. Because dependence sounds like weakness or deficiency 
I had to learn this lesson this last month. I hurt my knee pretty bad. And so I was dependent on my family to do all kinds of stuff for me. And I don't like it. It's my pride, right? But that's the picture God has given us. We are dependent upon one another if we are to achieve the health and wholeness that he desires for us to have, we are, the word is, interdependent. Each person dependent on another. I think of it like a a sports team, right? Pick your favorite team. Like, I'll just use the Vikings right now. That's my football team. Not doing so well right now. But they're a whole. They're a whole team. Not one individual player makes that team. Their quarterback doesn't make that team. They need everybody serving their common purpose. They are interdependent on one another if they are to win. One of the things my son always asks me whenever we're watching a sports game is, is he the best player on that team? And I drive him crazy, don't I? I drive you nuts, because what do I say? I say, it depends. It depends what role you're talking about. Are you talking about the best defenseman? Are you talking about the best midfielder? I'm talking soccer now. Are you talking about the best running back? Are you talking about the best linebacker? It all depends on the role that they've been called to play. There is no best. There is no one person who's independent of the other on the team. They are interdependent on one another. And the church is to be like that. Each member bringing something to the table that makes us whole and healthy. Each member playing their part for the good of the whole body. That is God's dream for his church. And if that's true, there is no one person in our church or any church, that represents the whole body of Christ. But I think this is where we've gone so wrong sometimes in the American church. We have left the work of ministry to paid professionals. And instead of being interdependent, we become dependent on them. Even to the point of creating Christian celebrities. I'm not sure what God thinks about that in the church. You know, one of the reasons I did not want to be a pastor it's because my dad was a pastor. And he was a pastor in an era where pastors were supposed to be super pastors. They were supposed to have every single gift imaginable. And people would come to church to consume a product. And my dad would work 90 hours a week. Burning himself out. And I, I didn't want to have any part of that. Listen, there's no such thing as a super pastor. I know Jeff comes close. But there's no such thing. There is no one person who has all of the gifts that are needed to make the body healthy and whole. Amen? By the way, this is one of the reasons we practice collaborative leadership here at Cherry Hills. I don't want to focus, though, just on the paid staff here. We need everyone, everyone to be healthy and whole and giving their part. Some of you remember this poster. You might not actually remember it. I'm sure you've seen it before from World War I. That's the truth. Not only do we want you, we need you to be the body that Christ has called us to be. Friends, what this means, as Paul says in verses 21 through 26, is that the behind-the-scenes people are just as important as the upfront people. The offensive line is just as important as the quarterback. Those with mercy gifts are just as important with teaching gifts. And I could go on and on and on. Some of these gifts, we just think, well, what can I offer? You offer so much. You make us whole and you make us healthy. 
for our local body to be healthy, we need every member contributing his or her unique gifts to the whole. Paul summarizes this whole thing in verse 27. Would you read it on the notes with me there? It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. That word part is the same word for member. Each one of you is a member of the body. And we cannot function in a healthy way as a collection of individuals doing their thing individually. We are to function as a collection of individuals doing their thing together. In this way, the New Testament is flying right in the face of American individualism. And to be honest, right in the face of how sometimes we do church. And it's leading every follower of Christ to ask the question, am I a member of a local church body? Again, my whole point today is not for you to be like, okay, I'm going to become a member of church. No. Am I a member of a local church body? Am I in any way using my gifts, my passions, my time, my resources, interdependently with others to become the whole healthy place God has designed us to be? If not, I will again lovingly encourage you to see that is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You are a member of his church. That leads to the second part of our statement, though, which is, what is it that he's joined us together for? What is our common purpose as a body? Why did he join us together? First, let me just say what we're not. If you're on your notes, we are not an audience of spectators. That's not why he brought us together, to be an audience of spectators. We have said it this way in the past, right? The church is not a building. I still find myself saying this, right? I'm going to go to church. And I mean, I'm going to go to the building. And I mean, we don't need to get rid of saying that. But what I need us to start thinking about, what we need to start thinking about is the church is a people. It's the gathered people of God who are then scattered into this community as one. So what is our purpose? Why did he join us together if not just to be spectators, to just watch a show? Well, here it is. We are a gathering of disciple makers. That's what it's all about. Disciples making disciples. 1 Corinthians 12 makes it clear that as the body of Christ, even as a local body of Christ, each of us representing different parts, members of the body, each of us with different skills, personalities, and giftings, each of us unique, are to come together for the common purpose of accomplishing God's mission in this world. And this mission involves every single one of us. Listen to what David Platt says. At this moment, we are surrounded by people who we know, love, work with, eat with, go to school with, and play with who do not know Christ. And I don't know how old this was, but he says, we live in the third most populated country in the world behind India and China. And we're also third behind them in the most number of unreached people groups in one country. We live in a world where nearly two billion people still don't have access to the gospel. If this is our situation in our city, our country, our world, then who among us can sit on the sidelines as a spectator in this mission? Friends, God has not saved you and then given you his Holy Spirit in order for you to be a spectator in the work he's doing in this world. He's saying, come. Come, join with others in your purpose, which is to make me known among the nations. He called us together as a body so that we can continue his mission, the mission he started when he came in the flesh in this world, which is to announce the kingdom of God has come. And it's for you. 
and it's for me. Here is one of the great mysteries of the faith I will never, ever, ever get over. The metaphor that Paul uses for the body isn't just a metaphor. Literally, God is choosing now to work through Christ's body. Who's the body? His church. In the same way he worked through Jesus' body while he was on earth. Local churches are to be committed to showing God's love to this world. Why? Because that's what Jesus did when he was here on earth. And we continue to carry that out as his body. Now, obviously, no church has got this figured out completely. It's a process. It's a journey. We all have so much room to grow in this, don't we? I have so much room to grow in this. None of us have arrived. But I've got to remind you of this because I have to remind myself of this often. If you're following on your notes there, you won't grow as a disciple if you're not making disciples. You won't grow as a disciple if you're not making disciples. For far too long, though, in the church, we have assumed that I grow as a disciple by going to Bible studies, going to worship service, living nice, clean, moral lives. That's what it means to grow as a disciple. And listen, I'm not saying anything those are bad. They're essential to growing as a disciple of Jesus. But if that's disconnected from the primary purpose that God has for us as the church, then we're missing. We're missing the point. To be a disciple means we make disciples. To be a member of the church means I'm a part of that process along with others. Think about it from scripture with me. From the very beginning, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Every follower joining together. Kind of like a net being thrown out into a lake. Fishers of men. Then you get to the end of the Matthew, at the end of Matthew, and Jesus says to us, his church, go. Like, I'm just going to sum it all up for you. Here's your purpose. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's why I'm bringing you together as the body of Christ here on earth. That's what we were created for. That's what our purpose is, to be disciples who make disciples who are spreading the love of Christ through this world as Christ's body. So, do you see the potential that I was talking about earlier this morning? Right here in this room. 500, 600 people gathered together as the body with a common mission, a common purpose to make disciples. I know some of you might be tempted to be thinking right now, I don't think I can really do that. Or this is where the guilt factor starts coming in. I'm not very good at that. So let me just give you some good news right now. You can't do that. You can't make disciples. But that's what this chapter, chapter 12, is all about. He has filled you with the Holy Spirit of God, joined you to a body where he has equipped and empowered every person in that body in a unique way in order to contribute to the overall mission and purpose, which is to make disciples. Can you use the gifts he's given you, the people he's put in your life, the skills, the talents, the resources, and contribute to the whole? I think we can do that. I think we can be people who are always looking to make disciples together. If you're falling on your notes there, God is inviting us to join him on mission. And we think about that so often just as individuals. But I'm going to add this at the end, through his body. Yes, I'm on mission as an individual. But I want us to start thinking even more. I'm on mission together with others. 
He's not invited you to sit on the sidelines. He's inviting you to participate in his work in this world. So how about it? You want to be a part of that? Because that's what we're about. That's what we're about. Maybe you do and you're wondering, how? How do I become a part of this, a member of a local body, working together for this common purpose? Well, that's a great question, and we could do a whole message series on this. In fact, I will just say to you, one of the things I want to mention is next year we're going to go after this more practically. We're going to talk about what it would look like for us to consider ourselves as little missionaries that God gathers together and then sends us back out into the places he's given us. But for this morning, let me just offer you three ideas how you can begin to start thinking of yourself this way. First, and they all start with G because I'm a pastor and that's what we do, right? First, commit to growing as a disciple yourself. The word disciple just means a learner, someone who learns. So we are to always be learning and growing. How do you learn? How do you grow? I have nothing else I can say to you other than to grow as a disciple. You've got to be practicing the same practices that Jesus practiced while he was here on earth. What am I talking about? I'm talking about making sure we're filling our minds with the truth of God's word every day. Making sure that we're committing to gathering together to worship with others, but worshiping individually as well. I'm talking about setting aside time to be in prayer. Every time Jesus went out into the world, he came back and he was refreshed and renewed because he spent time with his father in prayer. I'm talking about fasting. Setting aside those hindrances that come in our lives that are keeping us from fulfilling the purpose God has for us. Just as our bodies grow strong when we eat healthy and we exercise. We can grow as disciples who are making disciples as we practice the disciplines that Jesus modeled for us. I don't know what else to say. Second, and we really believe this here, to become a growing member of this body who is working together for a common purpose, we must commit to gathering regularly with other believers in corporate worship and smaller community. We must commit to gathering regularly with other believers in corporate worship and smaller community. In the New Testament, in Acts, we're given the picture of how the early church gathered together. Read it out loud with me on the screen here from Acts 2.46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Chuck loves this verse. He always sums it up with this way. Temple courts and homes. Temple courts and homes. When the church thought about gathering together, what did they do? Temple courts and homes. Large worship gatherings like we're doing right now together, but also gathering together in smaller communities in people's homes. Some of you know the trend right now in America. We have moved from the average Christian going to church two to three times a month to one to two times a month. We want to fight against that. Why? Because we want you to come to our church building? No. Because we need one another. We need to gather together to be encouraged, to sharpen one another for what God has given us. What about smaller communities? I think about what Paul wrote in verse 26 there, if you still have your Bible open. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I will just say to you, you can't have that kind of intimate relationship unless you are involved in some smaller group of people. Some network of Christian friends who are committed to doing life together rejoicing when we rejoice, suffering together when one person suffers. The vehicle we use at our church for that is life groups. 
or maybe a Sunday school class or a men's group or a women's group, but we're going to say this until we're blue in the face. You got to be involved in a smaller community some way. I'd love for you to say these communities are perfect. There's never any messiness. There's never any difficult people. It's not how it is. And yet it is those very things that begin to sharpen us, help us to see the body and all of its flaws for what, it's, what it is. In our life group right now, we just had one of the members in our group, they had a child. We rejoice with them. We celebrate. We're enjoying that together. On the other hand, some of us have been going through a time of struggle and suffering. I don't know where I'd be without being able to have people in that kind of a community who can walk through those kinds of situations. Do you have that? If you want to grow as a disciple who's making disciples, I can't tell you enough. You've got to be in community. Third, though, to become a member of this body who is working together for a common purpose means to commit to going into the world as God's ambassador. Yes, the church is a place to gather, but we gather for what? The purpose of being sent back out. Sent back out. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents his or her country. It says they say what their country would say in that situation. They do what their country would say in that situation. So what do we do as Christ's ambassadors? Well, we represent Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we do the same things he did. We say the same things he did. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? I love what it says in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said. Hey, us too. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what we're about. We represent him doing those things. Like I said, we hope to do a better job of equipping us as a church next year in these ways. But here's one suggestion for you to begin. What would it look like for you to start every day simply by praying? Lord, help me to see where you're working today and where I can join you as your ambassador. The elders of our church, the staff in our church, we've been talking about this. We've been reading a book together. And I just got to tell you, the more intentional I've been about praying that prayer, the more God has opened my eyes in different situations. And I just want to warn you, I'm not talking about fireworks here. I'm not talking about I've led 10 people to Christ every time I pray that prayer. No. I'm simply more aware of what he might be doing in somebody's life, and maybe I'm able to plant some seed there or have a conversation there. (laughs) And that's incredible that he wants us to be a part of that. Friends, as we close, let me just ask you, can you imagine a place when disciples of Jesus join together as members of a body and get serious about making disciples of Jesus. I yearn for us to be a place like this, and I'll say it again. We need you to make it happen. We need you. So as we close and prepare to take communion, which is the ultimate reminder that we have been joined together as one, let me close with this question for you to consider. Will I join a body and give myself to fulfill God's purpose for us? Will I join a body and give myself to fulfill God's purpose for us? What else would you want to give your life to? Let's pray. Oh Lord, I can't thank you enough that 16 and a half years ago, You introduced me to this local body in Springfield, Illinois that I have had the privilege to call 
my church home. I think of all the potential in this room, all the gifts and the passions, and your desire to see us use that, not just for ourselves, but for your kingdom, for this city, for our neighborhoods. Would you encourage us today and fill us once again with your spirit so that we could bear fruit using the gifts that you've given us by the spirit in this world that you love? And together as the body of Christ, everybody agreed and said. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.